Welcome to the Indie Pub, a laid-back interview show dedicated to the world of self and indie publishing. I'm your host, Jay Rushing, author of the self-published fantasy noir novel Radio, and a beverage buff with a passion for deep dives and good times. Every two weeks, a guest will step into the pub with a publishing-related topic and a favorite drink for us to explore and enjoy. Whether you want to sharpen your craft, snag a new cocktail recipe, or just have a laugh, there's always a seat and a full glass waiting for you at the Indie Pub. Welcome to the Indie Pub and our first episode of After Hours. The doors are closed, the indie writing folks have gone home, and you're here alone with the proprietor of this here establishment as I wax poetic about purely boozy matters. In this episode, we'll be looking for some answers to a question that many find confusing, costly, and intimidating. How do I start my own home bar? We're going to look at the basic tools and glassware you may need to get yourself started, and we'll examine three philosophies on how to start your own bottle collection, with a focus on one method I personally feel works best. Before we begin, a little business to attend to. I want to state that I'm in no way affiliated with or sponsored by any of the companies or products I may recommend today. I also want to cover some lingo that may come up so we're all on the same page as I move forward. When I say something is a base liquor, I'm talking about gin, whiskey, vodka, rum, and the like. Um, your basic booze. When I say liqueurs, I'm talking about the flavored alcohols you use to add the flair to a cocktail. So whether it's the orange-flavored triple sex and Grand Marniers of the world, almond-flavored amarettos, herbal mixes like chartreuse, or self-explanatory liqueurs like creme de menthe. That's what I'm talking about there. And finally, bitters. I want you to think of those like liquid spices. They're super concentrated alcoholic flavorings that can add a lot to a cocktail. Angostura, Peychaud's, and a variety of orange bitters are all very common in the market. Okay, so let's dive in. You want to start your own home bar. Well, what drinks do you want to make? That's the first question you need to ask yourself. Until you're experienced enough to invent your own, you'll need to find a recipe before you can make your cocktails or even know what ingredients you need. Where does one begin to find cocktail recipes? Well, Cocktail books are going to be your best resource throughout your career as a home bartender. They're usually compiled by actual bartenders, or at least people with some level of experience and knowledge in the field. There are so many fantastic cocktail books out there that you really can't go long when you start your collection. Um, So really dive in and look to see what will suit your own needs. As someone new to mixing drinks, there is one issue you need to be careful of when you're looking at books and that is they can be absolutely daunting. It can feel like being hit in the face with the fire hose of information, and it can be really difficult to figure out just where to begin. As you start to build your book collection, I recommend finding guides that separate their recipes by base liquor. That way, searching for what you want, or more importantly, what you think you might like, is made a whole lot easier. A lot of books simply separate the drinks by the drink's name, And it's really difficult to decide whether or not you're going to like something like a corpse reviver by its name alone. When it comes to finding cocktail recipes, the internet is a much friendlier beast. You can quickly and easily search for the one recipe you want or for recipes made with the ingredients you want and like. The problem here is reliability, like most things on the internet. Where did the recipe come from? Can you trust who came up with that recipe? Separating the wheat from the chaff can be really, really tricky. It's best to find some trusted sites and stick to their recipes as a place to start. 
Liquor.com, Difford's Guide, Serious Eats, Imbibe, these are all really great first stops when you're dipping your toes into the world of cocktails. Next, let's talk tools and glassware. Whether we want to admit it or not, a major component to our love of cocktails comes from the ritual of making the cocktail and the ceremony of enjoying a cocktail from a fancy glass. There are very few tools or pieces of glassware that are strictly necessary, but you can set yourself up with the basics for pretty cheap. When it comes to tools, the list of must-haves is small, but you'll thank yourself for having these on hand. First, the Noble Shaker. Um, these can also be used as a mixing glass as well. I say start with the cobbler shaker. This is the shaker that has a large metal cup with its own top that doubles as a strainer and a cap above that. It's the easiest to use and likely all you'll ever need for a home bar. I have one shaped like a penguin and it's been my go-to shaker for years. Boston shakers are fantastic and they're what the pros tend to use. They consist of two glasses put together, often one metal and one glass, or metal on metal. They're excellent for mixing, especially if you're using egg white. It really helps with the frothing process. But they take a lot of messy, messy, messy practice to build your skills up. It's a worthy challenge to take up, but not necessarily for somebody who just has a home bar. Next, you'll want a long spoon. This can be a cocktail spoon, and that would be best. They're cheap, so you might as well go for one but any long slender spoon will work. Next, you'll need some way to measure, whether it's a jigger or a measuring glass. Um, a jigger, for those who don't know, are the double-sided cups you'll often see a bartender use. They're very small, um, one cup on each side, kind of a skinny waist in the middle. Um, what I actually recommend is uh, something by the brand OXO or OXO, and they have a slanted stainless steel jigger that has ounce measurements on the inside. And what that means is that as you're pouring out your liquid, you can see it fill past the measuring lines from the top. You don't have to hold it up from the side. It's a time saver. It's way easier to use. Um, highly recommend those. Also, most cocktail recipes come in ounces. You do see some in milliliters, um, but it's an originally an American art form, and so ounces tend to have stuck when it comes to cocktail recipes. So having measuring devices in fluid ounces is going to be your best bet. Next, you'll want a sturdy bottle opener. Doesn't matter what it is. You just want one that's not going to fall apart on you. Um, a can opener. You'll use this rarely, but there are times when you'll need one. Again, have a nice sturdy one. You probably already have one of these at home. The next one is a little bit harder to find, but it's worth it. And that is a vegetable peeler with a narrow opening. And there's a very specific reason for this. When you are peeling citrus peels, which you'll do a lot as you make your drinks, the thinner the peeler, the less of the inner white pith that's going to come off on your citrus peel. It, that pith can add a lot of bitterness to your drink, um, and it's just not as pretty looking. So the thinner the peeler, the better. Also, if you're using it for potatoes, you're losing a whole lot less potato as you're doing your peeling. The next tool you will need is something called a Hawthorne strainer. It's the springy looking strainer that bartenders use. It keeps the mixing ice and other unwanted debris like fruit bits, mint chunks, other things you don't want to end up in your beautiful finished cocktail in the mixing glass. Definitely go ahead and get one of those. Again, they're not that expensive. The next thing you might want, which is not vital, but I recommend them, is metal straws. Way better for the environment 
easy to wash, and they don't impart that weird cardboard flavor that paper straws do. Personally, I don't like that in my drink if I'm going to all of this trouble to make a perfectly blended drink. I don't want to add a bunch of paper flavor to that. The final tool that you'll want, might not need it right off the bat, but you're going to want to get one, is a muddler. They come in wood, plastic, metal, um, some with a rubber end, and they're used to crush up fruit and herbs um, to release their flavors and smells into your drink. Personally, I recommend wood. Um, it's less likely to break any glass. Um, they're really rugged and durable. They do take a little bit more maintenance, but all that is required is if it starts to look a little bit dry, rub some olive oil on it, it'll come back to new. Worst case scenario, get the sandpaper out, give it a new surface and you're ready to go. Now let's move on to glassware. None of it is necessary. Absolutely none of it. You can drink a martini out of a sippy cup if you want, but let's face it, you don't want that. You absolutely don't want that. You want to feel a little fancy. Even if you're drinking a cocktail in your pajamas, the drink itself is there to add a touch of class and a little bit of pomp to your evening. Otherwise, you just crack a beer. So knowing that you'll want a little swankiness in your life, what glassware should you start with? Well, the list is not long. First, you're gonna want some sort of long drink glass. Collins glass, highball glass, pint glass. They're all a little different, but they're all basically serving the same purpose. So whichever is your favorite, go with that. The main thing to make sure is that it's gonna hold at least 12-ish ounces or 330 milliliters. Um, comfortably, so a little bit of headroom above that. As long as you have that, you'll be good to go. Um, things like a big gin and tonic or a Long Island, Long Island iced tea or when you want to pour a beer, they're going to be excellent. Next, you're going to want a tumbler or a rocks glass. Um, you'll use this for whiskeys or uh, strong cocktails like a Negroni. Cocktails that are going to be served over ice. Um, there's a million different shapes, uh, lots of cut glass options. Um, they're really fun and they're great to have on hand. The next glass is pronounced differently depending on who you are and where you're from. It's either a coupe or a coupe glass. And I highly recommend them over your traditional triangular cocktail glass or martini glass. Those things, kind of like the old 90s band, are built to spill. I hate them. They are so unfunctional, they just make a mess. Whereas a coupe glass, which was originally used as a champagne glass, um, is very similar in shape, but it has usually at least an inch of a side to it. So people can actually move around with their drink and not spill it all over the floor. It feels a little bit fancier, it feels a whole lot more comfortable, and I highly recommend opting for those over the triangular cocktail glasses. Next, when you can find one, it's not a huge rush, but having a few champagne flutes are always really nice for champagne or a few cocktails that like having that upright vertical structure. Um, you'll want some wine glasses. You could separate that out, white wine and red wine. You could have a single multifunction sized glass, whatever you are comfortable with. You're gonna want a couple shot glasses around because let's face it, you have a home bar. At some point, people are gonna want shots, whether that's a fuzzy navel or straight up whiskey. It's gonna happen. Finally, let's talk about Moscow mule glasses. There's a little controversy around these. 
Um, these are the copper mugs that you'll see sometimes at bars or restaurants. Um, they're used primarily for a Moscow mule, although other drinks can be served in them. Some of them are pure copper inside and out. Others are lined with stainless steel or some more inert metal. There is some debate as to whether or not the copper will leach into your drink and poison you. The answer is complicated. If you have a drink like a Moscow Mule, which is a fairly acidic drink, and you let that drink sit in that copper glass for hours and hours and hours, yes, you can get some copper into your system and it would be more than you may necessarily want. Who's going to drink an hours-old Moscow Mule when it's gone warm and stale? The answer is no one. The amount of time it takes to leach that copper is so long, it's not really a concern. But if it is something that you would feel like you would just rather avoid, there are plenty of coated uh, copper Moscow Mule mugs out there that are available. Um, so that's up to you personally. I like the flavor. A little bit of copper gives my Moscow Mule, so I go with uncoated copper mugs but the choice is completely up to you. And one final note on glassware before we move on. Secondhand stores are fantastic places to pick up glassware. Um, they usually have really great stuff for really cheap and also really unique pieces. One thing that my wife and I have found really helpful is that having an eclectic mix of glasses helps guests remember which glass is theirs. So rather than needing the little charms you put on the bottom or writing on the glass with some sort of wipeable marker. They just know by the unique shape of their glass. So highly recommend secondhand stores for uniqueness and for cheapness. Some other staples you're gonna want in your bar just to have around is lots of limes and lemons and oranges. From the peel to the juice, you're just gonna want them around. So it's something to kind of get in a habit of grabbing a few every time you're at the grocery store. Really nice to have. Even if you just wanna put a little bit of lemon in your water, having it at home is great. Um, I would invest in a bottle of Angostura bitters. Um, you can find it in most grocery stores, super versatile. A uh, lot of cocktails are going to use it and call for it. So I would just pick that up. Next, you're going to want sugar. Uh, caster sugar is probably the best because it dissolves quickly, but any white sugar will do for cocktail recipes. You can experiment with other varieties like Demerara, but it's gonna change the flavor a little bit, so you just need to be aware of that. Likewise, you can also keep simple syrups around. They're easy to make, and they blend way better than crystallized sugar. They're really easy to store, they last a long time. The only issue with simple syrups is that they add a little bit more dilution to your drink because of the extra water content. So again, there are little trade-offs, something to consider. I personally prefer using simple syrup just because of how quickly and easily it blends in. Finally, you're gonna want a bunch of mixers, whether it's tonic or your cola of choice or orange juice, cranberry juice, uh, sparkling waters, anything that you like to drink, just keep some around. Um, a lot of them last a really long time, so we usually keep some in a cabinet stored away and we'll think, oh no, do I have a tonic water? Yes, I do. Go grab it really quick and we're good to go. So I definitely recommend keeping that sort of stuff on hand just as a general rule. Um, the other thing with mixers is that it's a really great, cheap place to experiment and try new alcohols you haven't tried before. Never dipped your toes into the world of tequila? 
grab a mixer. You can soften that flavor and decide whether or not that's going to be a base liquor for you. Okay, now let's move on. The reason you are all here. How does one actually go about building their own home bar? Well, today I'm going to talk about three approaches. There are merits to each of them, but I'm going to discuss one option that's absolutely my favorite at the end. So the first method is to just go big. If you've got the cash, start making bottle lists and go have some fun at your local liquor store. Um, when it comes to base liquors, you want to treat them like Pokemon and catch them all. You'll want multiple gins, multiple vodkas, bourbon, rye, blended American whiskeys, Canadians, blended scotch, single malt scotch, Irish whiskeys, Japanese whiskeys, gold and silver tequila, a solid mezcal, brandies, cognacs. The list goes on and on and on and on. As for liqueurs, the sky is the absolute limit. Just look for what's popular, go for it. Um, although I would recommend start with the classics because you'll use them the most. So, say you want to take this method. You've just dropped an absolute fortune on booze, and your home bar is now the perfect laboratory for your mixology training, right? Well, the problem is, now that you have it all, what do you even do with it? Where do you begin? How do you use half the stuff you have? It's really, really, really overwhelming. Think of this method like buying a full cabinet of spices to cook with. You have lots and lots of options, but without training or experience, what are you even going to do with it all? Even with experience, how often are you going to open that one jar of spice in the very back of the cabinet? The answer is not very often. Um, I actually have a little bit of experience with this method. When my wife and I were in our early 20s, we worked for a man who was not super pleasant. And we helped him move a boat that he had. And he decided that he was going to give us a bunch of money for helping him. Well, the reality was he had been an absolute dick to us. And he was giving us money to make up for being mean. We considered this money blood money. We were like, what do we do with this? Do we even accept it? And there was really no way to get out of not accepting it. So in our early 20s brains, we decided, let's head to the liquor store. So we blew a few hundred dollars on liquor. All kinds of crazy liqueurs, all kinds of bottles. We started our home bar with a bang. And used maybe half of it. Um, the, two, the two bottles I can still remember. One I didn't use because I thought it was gross. And that's Sambuca. Some people really, really love it. But you have to be a massive fan of anise or black licorice flavor for that. So we had almost an entire bottle of Sambuca for over a decade, and I, we finally threw it out. Um, the other bottle that is still burned into my memory because I felt like it was such a shame is Midori. Midori is a bright green melon-flavored liqueur from Japan. It tastes great, but there are only so many cocktails that are melon-flavored, or there are only so many ways in which you can use melon flavor in your drinks. And so this bright, beautiful bottle sat and sat and sat and sat and sat. And unfortunately, it got thrown away too. And there are other bottles we had that suffered a very similar fate. So while this is a valid option, if you have the money, 
and want to go on that shopping spree, it's really not the best option when you're new and inexperienced. So let's jump to the next option, and that is to just keep it super simple. Now, there are various books out there, such as The 12 Bottle Bar, that give advice on how to operate a home bar with a very stripped-down selection. With just these few bottles, you too can make a world of drinks. And that's absolutely right. But there are some pretty major problems inherent with a strategy like that. The question of where to even start comes right back. How many of the drinks that are possible with their prescribed bottles are drinks you're going to actually like? What drinks get left out? Are your favorites left out? What about the classics? It's a fascinating concept, but not necessarily one I would advise for beginners. This strategy, I think, is best for people who are open to an eclectic mix of cocktails, and really, you won't know if that's you until you've gained some experience. It's not wrong for beginners to start this way, and it's definitely an affordable option. I just think that there's a better way. Which brings me to the method I would personally use if I had to start from scratch. It is my humble opinion that it is best to grow your home bar one drink at a time, which means only a few bottles at a time. So how would this process go? First, I'd find a good resource for recipes. Right now, I would recommend an app called My Bar. I'm in no way affiliated with that app. It's just a really, really great tool. The recipes aren't anything to write home about, but they're solid enough and the functionality of the app is incredibly useful, especially for somebody new. So, in this journey to start a bar from a single drink, I would choose one cocktail I truly love and buy the ingredients for that one cocktail. Then I would make said cocktail to celebrate the beginning of my new home bar. If I plug those few ingredients into the My Bar shelf list in the My Bar app, it will tell me what cocktails from its database I can make with just those ingredients. It will also tell me what I could make if I only had one or two more ingredients, just one or two more, and it opens up a whole new world of drinks. So my next step would be to choose another cocktail that I know I'd like from the list of things I can almost make. Then I just have to pick up the new ingredients and make that cocktail to celebrate the successful first expansion of my home bar. You can now make two great cocktails, plus you have the ingredients to explore others. If you find you're missing something for your next great drink, it's only ever one or two more supplies away. With a method like this, you grow your bar a few bottles at a time with ingredients you know or are pretty sure you're going to like, and this ensures that the vast majority of the drink options you have available to you at any given point at home are drinks you're going to probably enjoy. Having spent the better part of 15 years tinkering with cocktails, this is absolutely what I would do if I was a total beginner. There's just no reason to waste the time, money, and booze trying to guess your way through the learning process. But let's go ahead and take a step back real quick, and let's do an example of what I'm talking about with this method. And let's use one of my favorites, I mentioned it earlier, the Negroni. A Negroni is a dirt simple drink that is absolutely delicious. Gin, sweet vermouth, and Campari mixed in equal parts. Very, very easy. Perfect place to start. Now, 
I buy those three ingredients, I can make that drink. But if I buy a rye or a bourbon, all of a sudden I can make a Boulevardier. Add that bottle of Angostura bitters, now I have the right supplies to make a Manhattan or a pink gin. A few more ingredients, a few more drinks, and on and on and on. Even if I stop there and don't add any more alcoholic bottles, I still have a world of mixers to add. Tonic gives me a gin and tonic. Sparkling water, I can make an Americano cocktail. Whiskey and Coke. Again, the list goes on and on and on. Repeating these steps keeps your bar growing and keeps you satisfied. You'll strike out from time to time. It's going to happen. But you won't end up with a bunch of dusty, sugar-crusted, expensive bottles waiting forlornly in the back of the bar for their day to shine. Day's not going to come, my friends. It's just not. Those crusty bottles are going to stay crusty, and they're just going to be depressing. Instead, just seek out the next trusty cocktail or intriguing recipe, and you'll have a custom, self-tailored home bar in no time. Now, I usually ask my guests to shout themselves out, and so I'll do a little bit for myself here. Um, if you'd like to read my fantasy noir novel, Radio, it's available on Kindle Unlimited or in paperback on Amazon or most places where books are sold. Um, you can find me at jrushingwrites.com. That's my website and blog. I'm also at jrushingwrites on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Thanks for stopping by the pub. Be sure to check out our previous episodes. And stay tuned for more chats with people across the indie publishing world. Thanks everyone for tuning in to the Indie Pub. If you like what you hear, consider giving us a like and subscribe so you won't miss any of our indie investigations or boozy banter. I've been your host, Jay Rushing, and we'll see you back in the pub next time.